Welcome back, everyone. This is NYU Grads Daily Podcast, recording on Sunday afternoon. Uh, hope you are having a great weekend or had a great weekend if you're listening to this on Monday. We're going to cover Friday session, Jackson Hole, Jerome Powell, and what he said, as well as what kind of stood out uh, on the Friday session. So let's jump right into it. Uh, when we take a look at the breath numbers, it's not going to tell the whole story, but let's go over them. We had 51 new highs, 285 new lows, yet the the NASDAQ or NQ was up 1%. So we still had more um, lows than new highs. Um, Advanced declines, we had roughly 58% advancing and 35% declining. And 71% of shares on the Amex, NYSC, and the uh, NASDAQ all below the 71, all below uh, the 50-day moving average. Repeat, 71% of shares are still under the 50-day moving average. So that's not good. Um, Let's take a look at complexion here a little bit. Uh, Everyone was waiting pretty much for the 10.05 Eastern Time speech by Jerome. Jackson Hole pretty much was uh, sold off right after he finished speaking, but we did rally while he was doing his speech, and then once he was done, markets sold off. Um, I do want to reiterate, after the news was sold off, it did rally back, and we closed near the highs for the day, and I'll cover that in a second, but uh, the consensus on, like, Bloomberg and CNBC and media was that Jerome Powell did not say anything new, which I would agree with, but I think it was more hawkish than I've heard in a while because he did mention that uh, multiple times that we'd have to stay at higher rates for longer. There's no discussion of cutting rates, and there's still a potential for raising rates again. So uh, I thought it was more hawkish than anything, but I was kind of uh, godsmacked when he said in his own, out of his own mouth, uh, we are navigating under the stars in cloudy conditions. Um, I don't know if he's just trying to be poetic uh, or if that's like his internal inner author coming out, but uh, you don't want to hear that from the most powerful organization in the world who controls the U.S. dollar that, you know, they're kind of uh, navigating semi-blind here under cloudy conditions um they should have the most fidelity of anyone they have data from every single uh potential data source that you could ever imagine um so i thought that was kind of funny that they said that um another thing that stuck out on the friday session nvidia still closed down 2.4 percent despite uh probably Uh, arguably one of the most bullish earnings releases I've seen in a long time. Um, After the lunch break, I noticed, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that there was a strong uh, bounce um, in the afternoon. And NVIDIA was an anchor all day, despite the bullish action in the NASDAQ and the semiconductors. Um, I've scanned, you know, hundreds of charts between Friday and Sunday and a lot of uh, stocks are basically dead cap bouncing 
trying to bounce up to the 50-day moving average, and that's all that's really going on here. Um, I think the verdict is still out. We still need a few sessions and a few cards to come out of the deck. Um, I'll, I'll post some of the intraday charts of like Jerome Powell's speech, where it started and where prices were and where the speech ended and then where prices were after that. Um, a couple things that uh, hit the news flow that really caught my eye. Uh, VinFast Auto, the company that IPO'd through SPAC like a week ago, and 99% of all the shares are owned by one Taiwanese uh, or Vietnamese, I'm sorry, um, CEO. It's just all over the map. It's like up 17%, down 70%, up 40%. Like that's not investing. That's literally gambling. I generally, uh, if anyone asks, because some people have asked me, like I, I would not touch it myself. And I would actually... Uh, urge everyone who listens to stay away from things like that because you can really lose a lot of money um the other one that really caught my eye was better.com they're a mortgage slash housing finance company their uh, claim to fame was i think in 2021 uh, during the covid shutdown they uh the ceo went on a zoom call and just laid everybody off very flippantly and that got a lot of press. So you may have heard of better.com from that. But they went IPO through a SPAC um, this week. And once that IPO'd, it, it shot up to like $17. But the short version of this, pun intended, is that it went down to $1.20. So it lost like 90% plus of its value in a day. Uh, I, I really don't understand how regulators are allowing SPACs to come out. I feel like maybe I should look for some uh, shell companies that are already public and SPAC NYU grad Substack and just IPO it because it just is, I think it's really laughable um, that this is allowed to happen. Uh, if you got caught up in this and you bought it at $17, you're at $1.20 right now in a day. So again, I urge you guys to stay away from SPACs. Um, it's just not worth it. There's plenty of good companies out there that you can uh, build a, a great portfolio and long-term strategy uh, or even swing trade, right? This is not even trading. This is literally lottery ticket buying and hoping for the best. Um, other things that stuck out to me, so Airbnb and just short-term rentals right now is under attack by multiple cities, whether you're looking at uh, cities and states like uh, Dow like Texas, Florida, uh, Arizona, Las Vegas, New York. They're cramping down and uh, starting to go after short-term rental owners and these companies like VRBO and Airbnb. New York, um, they were already cracking down. Airbnb and three other uh, short-term rental owners uh, fought back against the ruling and the uh, rebuttal basically was thrown out by the court. So it's going to stand and now they're going to go after short-term uh, rental owners in New York. And it's happening slowly across the country. So I would watch Airbnb's stock. Um, I think Airbnb, if... Uh, 
if this accelerates in the backdrop of a downfall in housing and the lowest mortgage applications since like 1995 or something like that, uh, we may have some problems. Um, I also saw coming across the wire that Zillow Homes, their division of home loans, is now offering a 1% down payment option uh, for new for home buyers. You, it, you don't even have to be a new home buyer or first time home buyer, but in Arizona only for now. So Arizona is one of those uh, areas where there's a ton of new construction spec homes that are shadow inventory that's just sitting there. So Zillow Homes, I think, is trying to take advantage of this, working with new home uh, construction companies and offering this 1% down payment option. And if it's successful, they're probably going to try to release this in other cities and states. So th these are not uh, you know, new bull market uh, news flows. These are end of bull market news flows, right? Like oh, if you're looking to buy a home, you should not be doing a 1% down. That, that is just uh, the ghost of 2007 all over again. Uh, around 2.30, uh, we were almost approaching the high of uh, the end of the Jerome Powell speech, so we were trying to rally back up to that uh, Jackson Hole high for the day. We never got there, but we were close. So that's telling as well that uh, although the market was up and closed 247 on the Dow and closed up 1% on the NASDAQ, we were never able to get back to the Jackson Hole high for intraday. Um, but we did close near the highs, all right? it, better than closing near the lows. Um, so that's kind of the, the market session on Friday in a nutshell. Uh, what was strong on Friday, you had Affirm, which is the buy now, pay later company. They were up 28% on earnings. Carvana was also up 9% on the day. Workday was up 5%. What was weak during the session? We had NVIDIA, as I mentioned, they were down 2.4%. Extreme Networks was down quite a bit. I think, as I mentioned on Substack, that they needed a pullback because they've been on the tear, but they closed down 9.14%. Uh, it's still in a very bullish pattern here. I think as long as it stays above 20, it has a shot to create a new base or a new uh, value range, and then we'll see what happens. But if you don't have a position in Extreme Networks, I would refrain from buying a new position, if, depending where you got in, right? Like, so I had a, a few lots that I got in, like right around the $10 range, as well as like the uh, like $16, $17 range. So I'm still holding on to those, but if it breaks anywhere below $21, I'm probably going to let go of them. Um, but I would wait if you don't have a position in Extreme Networks to see if they can carve out a new balance area and try to play the extremes of those balance areas. Um, but uh, that kind of was, I mean, there's a lot more. Like, I, I don't want to cover this in a short podcast. Um when I have the premium set up, I'll have like a bullpen, bear, uh, bear candidates, uh, as well as other charts that you can see on my my private watch list. Um, but that's kind of a quick summary of what stuck out. Um, 
just before we wrap up, I did want to uh, mention, I did uh, post this on Substack, but it's just a reminder. Melody Wright on Substack wrote an epic, epic article on the state of housing. She does a lot of on-the-ground reporting, and I think she's doing a big one in Miami or in Florida, but she literally goes on the ground in like Texas and Las Vegas and Arizona and uh, gives like on-the-ground report of some of these spec homes and shadow inventory. I highly recommend that you read that. I'll repost the link on the show notes. Um, you know, I think another thing to watch next week is going to be the Magnificent Seven. Where Apple goes, everybody goes. Apple is still trading under the 50-day moving average. When I look at the momentum indicators like Stochastics RSI, it looks like uh, the um, selling may continue. So um, watch the Magnificent Seven. Um, I'll throw out one freebie, two freebies uh, on my uh, bearish candidate list. Uh, one is CrowdStrike. I think CrowdStrike looks very toppy here. And if it breaks this horizontal uh, line of roughly $140, uh, it's going to really accelerate to the downside. And another one is Shopify. They're already down quite a bit, um, but it looks like it's forming a uh, inverse cup and handle. And it's so big that the measured move is below zero. Obviously, I don't think Shopify is going to go out of business, but it looks pretty bearish here. And I'll post both of those charts. It's on my Substack notes. If you don't follow me on Substack notes, please do. That's where all my intraday short-form uh, ideas and analysis live. And uh, the regular Substack posts that you get by email are long-form or uh, my podcasts. Um, another thing before I wrap up, um, I mentioned earlier the mortgage applications plummeted to levels not seen since 1995. So this is a combination of demand being low but also inventory being low. Uh, I think this is going to start to rear its head the back half of the year because the selling peak season of home demand has passed, which is like the spring and summer months. Once kids go to school, it gets cold, holidays are here, people usually don't move. Uh, so I think it's going to be kind of a standstill and people who sell are going to really have to drop their price. Uh, I also posted a screenshot of an email offer I got from Toll Brothers. I, you know, there's all of these offers from Lennar, Toll Brothers, Pulte, uh, Dr. Horton, but like Toll Brothers is one of the luxury home builders for track homes, and they're offering 5.55 APRs for 30-year fixed. So if you have, you know, Toll Brothers usually specializes in one million plus homes, uh, one million dollar plus priced homes. So if you have a luxury home for sale near Toll Brothers, how are you going to compete, right? You can't sell a comparable uh, square footage home with same amenities and features as Toll Brothers uh, because they're offering a 5.55 rate. If a home buyer buys from you, they're going to have to pay a 7.5% rate. So the only option you have is to lower your price so that the buyer's mortgage payment is going to be equal to buying from Toll Brothers at 5.55%. So that is also another reason why no one's selling, right? Because 
the new builders have the market all to themselves. And if you're an existing home buyer, not only do you have to fight the new home builder, you also have to go buy somewhere else at 7.5%. That's the gridlock that is happening in the real estate market. So with that, I will wrap up. Um, and I hope you have a great day. I'll see you on the next podcast.